Welcome to the Hanging Banners Podcast with your host, Tyler Witt. Jack Coachman. And here he is, having the time of his life. And Ryan Sartori. Maybe short, but he's thick. <laughs> that's, that's thick with two C's. Oh, welcome back. It's episode 13 of Hanging Banners. I am elated today because finally the boys are back together. Jack Coachman is here. Tyler Witt is here. I am alive and here. And it's just good good to have everybody back. Should we just wrap the show up now just to like secure the fact that we all started it and all ended it? <laughs> just a quick one minute episode. We did it, guys. This is, I mean, what is it, Tyler? Is this since episode like nine? Yeah, I think it's been, we've all been together. It's been like a four, four or five episode stretch. Yeah, we missed Tyler for two. We missed Jack for two. I've been here for all of them. <laughs> Lame. Um, <laughs> Take a vacation, guy. Why don't you put a pat, give give yourself a pat on the back there, pal? Yeah, how did uh, how did uh, Bill Belichick say it the one time? No days off. Yeah. <laughs> no days off. Uh, speaking of which, we're recording this on Monday at about four thirty, so we're just before. The Patriots take on the Cardinals on Monday Night Football, just to give everybody a little context of when this episode is happening. But it is episode 13, and uh, the boys are ready to roll. I think it's episode 13, right? I've, I've miscounted before. I have 13 with a question mark on my personal notes, so that's two out of three. Tyler? I think it is 13. Then it's 13. We all agree. But I could, but I could be dumb, you know? No, it's know. 13. Okay, all right. We're off the ground. We're running. Uh <laughs> let's get into the show before any mistakes happen here early on. And we got to like restart or some, something awful like that. Uh, we'll start with count your wins and Jack, you've been gone the longest. So tell us what is uh, best in your world right now. So in my uh, lovely time away from the show, I had the opportunity to catch up on some TV shows and movies as I was just in quarantine isolation. I had COVID for, uh, 14 days I tested positive, so it stuck around with me for quite a while. But 14 tests? No. I oh. mean, there were some days where I could tell you that I had it without needing to test. It was only when I started to feel better that I started testing again. Um, I watched a movie on HBO Max called Amsterdam, which was in theaters not so long ago. Uh, and this is the first time in a while that I've seen a newly released movie and I'm excited to start getting back into it. I like watching movies in theaters and that have recently come out and I'm kind of backlogged on needing a lot of movies over the last couple of years to play catch up. But with this comes the win of movie pass returning a couple months ago. I was a part of their, uh, reliable elite previous customers that got me into their beta test program because I live near the city of Chicago. So they want a target market. And so I have a movie pass card that came in the mail and hopefully that also inspires me to go out and see some movies as well. So movies winning. Ryan, did you get to cash in on that at all? Um, the movie um, pass? No. Is this like a, is a thing that I'm missing out on? Oh, this was like the greatest thing ever. And it's like the summer of 2018 or something. Okay. Or I've 17. not heard of this. Yeah. So you guys are up on game here. It was a, uh, it was a subscription program where you would pay a certain amount of dollars per month to be a member of MoviePass, which gave you a card that you could use at most movie theaters, and it would essentially pay for your movie. So if you were seeing more movies than the cost of the card, you're making money. 
and, and it was a little broken for a while where they had to have been losing a lot of money where they started to tighten up the rules like you can't see new releases on premiere night or opening weekend if it's too big and now it's only select theaters and they had different issues but in general it was a way for more people to get the movie theater experience without having to deal with the super high ticket costs all the time and obviously because of their format it was very favorable to the customer and they ran out of money a couple of years ago and disappeared and just came back with a, a new plan a new model uh, a couple of months ago but it still is profitable for the user if you go and like actually use it pretty often it was super incredible because i think i saw maybe five movies in the month of june in the theater and the way it worked was i was able to compound my rewards for like the theater we had was regal. So I would get all the rewards for buying a ticket, but not have to actually purchase it myself. So I get oh my free, God. a free ticket and then I'd go in and I'd use my points and I'd get a free popcorn. So I was going to the movies for free every time. It was the best thing ever. Yeah. It was for a while, just $10 a month or $12 yeah. a month. Or what? Something. It was crazy yes. low. It was broken. Stupid. It, it, was, it was absolutely broken. But uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely saw some terrible movies just because I could. I'm, well, if I could get in for free. Yes. The worst movie going experience I think I had is at a Tuesday at 11 a.m. I went to the Hollywood Palms in Naperville to see The Nutcracker and The Four Realms. And I'm like, movie and lunch sounds good. This is the only thing on at 11 a.m., but it's free. So uh, I'll go do this. And it was a terrible movie. I hated it. I would have never seen it without Movie Pass. And so hopefully that trend starts where I can just see everything again. Okay, that brings up a good question here, at least to start the show. What is the single worst movie you've ever seen? Like, maybe it doesn't even have to be start to finish. Like, what's the movie that made you turn it off? No, just in general. I'll start with my answer because um, I think uh, all of us can probably relate to the fact that, like, you'll do a lot of stupid things at the... um, like the, the initial stages of a relationship, you'll do a lot of like dumb things like waste your time type stuff. Right. So, uh, my girlfriend and I, Nikki have been together for, for 10 years. And I remember, you know, at the very beginning you're in in high school and you'll do whatever dumb thing to be like, Oh, I love you so much, whatever. Right. You're basically just a little simp. We sat down to watch a movie with her two very young sisters at that point. They were under both under the age of five, and we sat down to watch a movie. The name of it escapes me. Maybe Free Birds. I think it was called Free Birds. Oh, that was from like a few years ago, right? This was, I mean, it's it's within the last 10 years. It was like it, turkeys or something? It was turkeys. And it was so bad that we watched the first 25 minutes. And Nikki's mother, who was also watching it with us, was like, let's fast forward and see what happens later in the movie. And like we watched another five minutes and they're like, okay, let's see how it ends. We ended up spending maybe 40 minutes on this movie that had like an hour and 20 minutes of runtime. It was that bad. Wow. Yeah. I got to find the one we, <laughs> we sat down to watch this movie when I was at Western Kentucky and we didn't get through it. It was just did not. Finish. Oh, it was uh hail Caesar. I believe Here, it was. Hey, hang on one second. Because I want to, the uh, the stars of this would tell you that this might be a bigger movie. Uh, this Freebirds, it had Woody Harrelson, Owen Wilson. Uh, one of the story writers was was David Stern, not that David Stern. 
but two turkeys from opposite sides of the tracks must put aside their differences and team up to travel back in time to change the course of history and get turkeys off the Thanksgiving menu for good. And they've got like Native American turkeys uh, as they travel back in time that they team up with and stuff like that. I'm watching the preview right now. Uh, but that was one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Wow. That doesn't yeah. sound good at all. I'm yeah, I'm reading about this premise. This oh, they got <laughs> luckily it's like an animated movie, so they got some big names that might draw you in, but ouch. Yeah, not very good. No. Amy Poehler was in it. Holy hell, now I'm looking at the cast. This... Anyway, that's the worst movie I've ever seen. I, I'll open it up to you guys. Yeah, so as I as I was saying, I mine was called Hail Caesar. It's a Coen Brothers film. Um, we watched probably the first forty five minutes of the movie, and it was just people talking to each other, just dialogue, boring dialogue, and we were oh looking at God. each. I'm looking we at the were, cast. Sorry, it's 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 an awesome cast. That we we thought the same thing. We were like, oh, this has got to be good. It's got George Clooney in it. It's acclaimed. I we really could not get past like the first 45 minutes hour of this movie because it was just them talking. There was no it kept cutting to different things. We weren't able to follow it. It was. Yeah, we we did not really enjoy this at all. We didn't it looks it. like it was a take on uh, what was the, the recent Tarantino movie? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It looks like a similar take to that, but it's got Josh Brolin, George Clooney, uh, Ralph. Uh, is it uh, Ray Fiennes? Ray, Ray Fiennes. Okay. Which is, uh, is that the, the actor who played Voldemort? Yeah. Scarlett Johansson is in it. Channing Tatum, Jonah Hill. Like, this is a star-studded cast, but the movie sucked. It was well-received, too. I just... It's one of those, like, movies that, like, I think the all the critics are like, oh, this movie's spectacular. It's, like, one of the best movies ever. And then all the audiences hate it because it's boring as hell. Uh, wow. Coen Brothers movies do have a lot of, like, slow-moving dialogue, right? Like, they just... The Ballad of Buster Scruggs was one that got a lot recently. The uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs? Yeah, that was nominated for Best Picture three or four years ago i think i won yeah, okay. best original song see, like coen brothers are like very reputable but you're know. right there's a lot of talking in those movies i don't know coen brothers the, i i enjoy no country for old men because at least there's something right like there's the the plot of the whole <laughs> serial <laughs> killer <laughs> caesar yeah you know the the audience score is a lot worse than the critic score on rotten tomatoes I'm putting that on my list. I recently just watched Shawshank for the first time. Um, and so now I got to put no country for old men on that list. Now that you say that, uh, but not to derail the conversation, Jack, the worst movie you've ever seen. And by the way, this is, this is, these are two gentlemen here that like have seen some movies. These are like uh, a media connoisseurs in a way they consume a lot. So Jack, what's the worst movie you've ever seen? This is really hard. I, I can't think of it. There are a lot of movies that I think are way worse than other people think. Uh, but it, it might be that Nutcracker in the Four Realms movie was actually so bad. Uh, the other one that I saw also with Movie Pass was 2019, I think. It was called The Kid Who Would Be King. And that actually was very popular. I hated it. We reviewed that on a show that I was on on uh, North Central Radio. And I was like scolded by my colleagues for how much I hated this movie. It was, wow. I felt like it was unwatchably bad. But it 
people really liked it. So that's uh, a band of kids embark on an epic quest to thwart a medieval menace. Yes, it's a riff on uh, what? What is the uh, the what is it originally? The blank who would be king? The is it like uh, the sword oh and gosh. stone? Uh, it is a little bit. It has like the Arthurian. It's the man who would be king. Is the original that was a Rudyard Kipling story, and there's it. been a lot of riffs off of that. Um, but yeah, it, it was the idea of like you take somebody who's not part of this world, and all of a sudden they're in this big like you know knights and dragons and wizards and whatever. And it's like the trailers looked kind of decent, and some of the kids seemed like they could probably act, but. It was Patrick Stewart and a bunch of kids. And yeah, I was going to say, it looked like a really low-budget cast plus Patrick Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> so that I guess that would probably be my pick, but I don't remember. Got it. Okay. I mean, th- these are all very valid That's answers. That's a tough question. That's a hard uh, question you brought. No, I mean, there. especially like put it just on the spot, right? It's like yeah. it's a tough question, but... Uh, mm. But it got our brains thinking, right? Now we got a full podcast ahead of us to get these things out of our way. Uh, I still have to hit my count your win, and so I'll go Both quick. Of you do. do we? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I haven't done that. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, geez. All right. Well, I'll go quick. Um, this, this, this past Saturday was a lot of fun for me. Uh, number one, I'm a big hockey guy now. Huge hockey guy, uh, but only in-person hockey. I will not watch it on TV. I'll, I'll go in-person all day long. Uh, but started the day on Saturday going to what we talked about last week. Um, the North Central Cardinals hosted their first national semifinal game in, in school history. They hosted it. It was for football, um, and it was supposed to be this crazy tight, super competitive game, and for the first half it was, and then it wasn't. The Cardinals absolutely dominated Mary Harden Baylor, a team that, ran it up on them last year in the national semifinal and the Cardinals repaid the favor this year. I think the final score was like 49 to 14 or something like that. They dominated this team. It was awesome to be there. Super cool to catch up with some old friends. Uh, the, the voice at the beginning of this podcast is as uh, a gentleman named Sam Corbett, who uh, voiced that opening uh, portion of the show for us. Sam was my freshman, my last year at school and he's somebody that I help bring up through, you know, like, this is how you do it. This is like, help them like, see like how you do the thing. And uh, now he's the sports director and he's calling a national semifinal game. And it was just super cool. Kind of a proud moment for me to, to see him say, Hey, at halftime and be like, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm proud of you. Like you're the guy now. Um, so that was a super cool moment. And then, if, like I said, the Cardinals won. That night, we ended up coming back to Rockford, and the radio station that I work with has a close relationship with the Rockford Ice Hogs, who are the minor league affiliate of the Chicago Blackhawks, which is super cool. But they're doing this teddy bear toss. So the first goal scored of the game, everybody in the stadium is supposed to throw a teddy bear on the ice or some sort of stuffed animal on the ice. Those are going to be donated to like local hospitals and stuff like that. And so they had uh, me and a couple of my coworkers go on the ice to help kind of pick it up. We got to do some social media stuff. And uh, we also were sitting like five rows from the ice. It was very fun. Um, Hockey is much more fun in person when you're seeing like these gigantic, you never realize how big these guys are, especially on skates. And then you see some of them in person and they're like, uh, the person I always think of is Zdeno Chara, who was like like seven four on skates or some Mm -hmm. crazy shit like that. Um, so I'm officially uh, a, 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 a member of screw Rockford. City. I got myself a little screw city hat. So uh, now I, I am a, a Rockfordian. 
It's awesome. That's yeah, it was, and seeing seeing your social media uh, this weekend. It was. It seemed like you had a, gr- a great time it's at both events. Um, the blowout of North Central. I mean, that was trying to keep up with that through the radio and through social media, and it, they they really took it to them. But then to see you out on the ice collecting all the stuffed animals. I mean, that's got to be a cool experience for you as well. Well, it is, and like to think like. I haven't even been here for two months and like, I already feel like super plugged into the community. Uh, uh, and this community is not small. It's not like, Oh, like, you know, a couple people, you know, all the people it's like 150,000 people live in Rockford and like to feel like I'm somewhat plugged in and getting to know people and making connections already in like two months is, is, is pretty cool. And uh, I'll to wrap up my point. Somebody told me just looking at my social media this weekend, like you look really happy which is something like I haven't really been able to feel a a whole lot of in the past year. And I guess for it to like show to other people that I'm, I'm happy. I'm not faking. It was a a really cool, like full circle realization for me. Like, Oh yeah, I feel good right now. Like I feel happy. And for that to be like a professional thing and a personal thing right now of just feeling happy and fulfilled uh, is probably my biggest win of the week. Nice. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Screw City. How about that? I never knew Rockford was called Screw City. It's actually it's actually the city of nicknames. It's Screw City, Forest City. Uh, there's there's a couple different nicknames for it. Isn't there already a Forest City? Uh, the, I think the, the first nickname for Rockford is Forest City. But oh. uh, Tyler, it's your turn to count your wins. And uh, you had a pretty cool one this week, too. Yeah. So, I mean, as a professional athlete, you don't, you know, I was up in Canada for many months and I didn't get to see a lot of my friends. Some of them would FaceTime. Some of them wouldn't. And I would just communicate with them, you know, what's the spare time I had, but it, it and it, it kind of hurts because a lot of friends that I have are also athletes. So they were in season this year. My friends from Purdue, um, I got to see a couple of them this weekend. Payne Durham and Eric Miller both play for the Purdue Boilermakers had an awesome season. Um, you know, tough, tough beat last week at the Big Ten Championship, but they they got the week off this week. So I was able to see them Friday and Saturday. And we, you know, we had a great time. Great to catch up with them and just to hang out, take them to, you know, spots around town. And yeah, so it was, it was great just to see see my friends and, you know, get get back in touch with them. Where are they from? <clears throat> so Payne Durham is originally from Georgia. Um, and then Eric Miller is from Ohio. He's from Mason, Ohio. Okay. So they came and stayed with the wits. Yes, they did. They, they were just going to spend the weekend in West Lafayette. And I was like, come on up. It's got, got some space, got, got some free time. Let's, let's hang out. Um, one of the, the harsher things for us was we went, we hit up the Joliet Harris casino. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh, I I proceeded to have the worst 20 minutes of my life where I lost. The worst 20 oh, no. minutes. Okay. Oh, Do you have a friend? Do you guys, either one of you have a friend, whether it's slots, sports gambling, anything that they just, no matter what, they're always on a heater. Yes. I wouldn't say always on a heater, but he's always playing poker and making money playing poker. Yeah. I, I do have a friend like that. My, so my buddy, Greg, who made all the imaging for the podcast. It's funny that like everybody's getting a shout out today. Thanks, Greg. 
Yeah, every every time I go anywhere with him, we could if it's a bar and they've got three video slots, you'll sit down, you'll turn around, and he's gone. You're like, uh, I, well, I know exactly where he's at, but other people have been like, where where'd Greg go? He's at the slots, and he will show up ten minutes later, and be like, I just made six hundred dollars. It without fail everywhere we go. He wins money on video slots. I don't know how he does it. He's coerced me multiple times into doing it. And Tyler, like you, I have the worst 10 to 15 minutes of my life every single time. See, and I, it was my fault because I don't, I didn't play to my strong suits in the casino. Like I'm a very much a, I can sit down and play, you know, five, six hours of poker, but we sat down to play blackjack because it's a more social game. And I just got my money just taken from me <laughs> and it was, it was pretty brutal, but that CFL money. It's hard to spend that CFL money, man. <laughs> no, but asking Joliet if they take loonies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. My 20 has a, the queen on it. Is that okay? <laughs> but I will say it wasn't as worse as the, the guy, there was a guy sitting in between us who probably lost 50 K in a matter of if oh. maybe 10 minutes. No, I hate that. That's the worst God. person to be near at the casino because I just feel so bad that people are. And to them, like it might just be a day at the office, but I hate up. being by somebody who just gets crushed. I feel so bad. He was up so huge. He had the the biggest stack. It was so intimidating. And then to see him just bet $5,000 on a hand of blackjack God. and a thousand dollars on each of the side bets i was uh, very much taken aback when he left angrily so but all, all in all very fun weekend with with my friends i didn't lose fifty thousand dollars i lost significantly less money than that so i was able to still have a great weekend i think the coolest gambling story i have and then we'll move on to intercepted at the goal line as I did a, a speaking event this past summer for a charity that Frank Thomas owns and runs. And at this, it was like his kickoff event and it was at a casino in Dubuque, Iowa. And I'm sitting around a table with former like Giovanni Soto, uh, Ferguson Jenkins, who's a hall of famer. I was sitting around a, 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 a roulette table with all these baseball players just shooting the shit. That was probably the coolest thing. Uh, Ferguson Jenkins smoking a cigar and just fucking losing money out of his nose. It was, it, but it was still so very, very cool to be like, "Hey, Fergie, like, tell me a story." And he'd be like, "Man, me and Ernie fucking Banks." Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it was wild. wild stuff. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> um, so we'll move forward. Let's do intercepted at the goal line. Uh, we spent a good 20 minutes on on good stuff. So let's try to like maybe do half of that with bad stuff and make this a positive episode. Again, we're together for the first time in like a month. So it shows. It, it, we, we've got we've got a little bit of catching up to do. Uh, so let's do intercepted at the goal line. Tyler Witt, lead us off. Yeah. So, you know, I've been on my high horse this this season about Purdue and they've they've done really well. And with that, there's always a catch. Um, Jeff Brom, head coach, has left Purdue to go take the head coaching job at Louisville. Um, one of the, I mean, a lot of people were predicting this was going to happen once the Louisville job became vacant. Last week, I was talking about how Louisville's head coach, Scott, Scott Satterfield, took the Cincinnati job. Um, so Louisville head coaching position became open. 
uh, Jeff Brom and his family, his entire family is uh, Louisville royalty, li- quite literally. Yeah. Um, his his father played there. Him, all three of, of the Brom brothers played there and had successful careers. Um, so they pretty much run Louisville. And now he he took a job that, you know, he probably, you know, it's not the best job on paper, right? You I mean, you, being a coach in the Big Ten is, I think, a much more significant job than a ACC head coach. It's a, not as good as SEC or the Big Ten, in my opinion. But uh, he said it wasn't about money anymore for him. He just wanted to go home, get his family home, and be around the people they love. So you can't really fault him for that, but you hate to see him go after such a long tenure at Purdue. Um, and, I mean, Purdue is a place that I hold dearly in my heart now, so it, it hurts a little bit. Yeah, well, and when it's a guy like Jeff Fromm, right? Like he is, and we talked about it last week, somebody like you want to go play for. He's a, a run-through-a-brick-wall guy, and to see him leave the program that you love is is always tough, but he's still somebody that no matter what you cheer for. Uh, I mean, going back to, what was his, his XFL days? Was it, uh, Yeah. <laughs> is this or is this not the XFL? Do I have a heartbeat? Let's play football. Like he's an endearing guy. You want him to be on your team. And when he's not, it's upsetting. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I have a lot of gratitude for Jeff. Like it, this isn't like, it's not an intercept of the goal line that I'm mad about. It's just something that, you know, you hate to see him go because this man gave me pretty much every opportunity I've had to play football and help me he, without him. I would not be here in, in the position I am. Sure. He took a chance on me late in the recruiting process when I was at Western Kentucky, it was December, like two months before signing day, before there was an early signing day. And he had me out on a visit after he had a guy decommit and he was, you know, he, and he gave me a scholarship. And then when I was in the transfer portal, he gave me another opportunity and I, we went on to have the best season in Purdue's history. Yeah. Well, and I I will say too, like I was behind the scenes when you were in the portal transferring from Kentucky or Western Kentucky. And I know you had multiple offers and I know the fact that Jeff Brom was in West West Lafayette was the reason you went there. Yes. I mean, it, it, what really hurt me in the portal was it was also COVID. So you couldn't take visits, but I knew the whole staff because they all went from Western Kentucky and they all recruited me. Right. So that was a good part about, um, you know, going there. But again, like you said, he's just a guy you want to play for. Yeah. You know, he's going to make you run through a brick wall and he, he values who you are as a player and as a person, which I didn't really see a lot of at my, the end of my days at Western Kentucky. So I just, I'm grateful for him and I hate to see him go, but I know he's going to have tons of success in Louisville. It would have been, though, a lot of fun to travel down to Austin, Texas, though, Tyler. Um, (laughs) Moving on with intercepted at the goal line. Yours wasn't one that you were upset about, but this is one that I am legitimately upset about. And it only made it only got worse as time went on. Wilson Contreras. The Chicago what was the Chicago <laughs> Cubs Chicago catcher, Cub. ex-Chicago Cub catcher, Wilson Contreras, has signed a, a very rich deal with the St. Louis Cardinals. Of course, this is one of the most famed rivalries in all of sports. I actually was thinking earlier, like the two worst, maybe uh, there's there's a hierarchy of worst things you can do as a as a free agent. And that is like be a Chicago Cub or a Chicago Bear and go to the Cardinals or Packers respectively or be 
a Yankee that goes to the Red Sox. And I'm curious of like maybe being a Chicago sports fan is like toxic culture. Like it's yeah. got to be toxic culture because I loved yeah. Wilson Contreras three months ago. I vehemently hate him now. <laughs> you know what he had? He had going for him that he was the survivor of the group. Right. Everybody else was gone. When they cleaned up the first time, everybody got moved. Contreras was one of the only holdovers. So there's this little bit of wanting a guy that you like to start and end their career or play for so many years and just, all right, you know what? We had the great days with Rizzo, Baez, Bryant, but like at least Contreras was there the whole time. That can be our guy. And I'm feeling a little bit of that with Jose Abreu leaving because I'm like, Jose Abreu has been like, the White Sox guy yeah, the whole time through it all. And then when you're the last one of your group, it, it, it hurts a little more because now the group's nothing. But at least Jose Abreu didn't leave the Sox for the Guardians. True. Like they needed a first baseman. True. They got Josh Bell. Abreu right. goes to Houston. So it's, it, it's a little bit different in that regard. And I actually was okay with him leaving and going to the Cardinals because I know the grind that he had to get to the bigs, he spent 14 years in the Cubs system, only six of those at the major league level. And he transitioned from a third baseman to become a catcher. And so for him to finally get this big contract was incredible. And and I was very happy for him. And then he did his introductory press conference and started talking about how he's always loved St. Louis and how Yadier Molina, somebody that he's talked crap about in the media is his idol and his hero and uh, how he's very excited to be in St. Louis after, you know, this is a guy, again, this is a guy who played on the North side of Chicago who has talked about, I'm sure hating going to St. Louis, go get your bag, but also don't like piss off the group of people that loved you and uh, made you endearing. I, I don't know. They endeared you to the baseball community. I, I don't, I don't know. You're I, right. I just, you're I, right. I, I would like to pose like a little counter argument, play the devil's advocate with you. Do you think that he kind of had to do it because Cardinals fans felt that way about him? Like them because they suck probably. Well, I mean, also like you said, like that's one of the biggest rivalries in baseball is Cardinals and Cubs, like going and getting the Cubs catcher like that. I mean, that might not sit right with you if you're a Cardinals fan. So if him getting in the press conference and talking about this stuff, does maybe he's trying to help himself with the new group of people he has to be around. I mean, that's, obviously part of it and the the sports fan in me there there is the intelligent sports like i'm not a journalist but like the intelligent sports personality who understands that some of this is showmanship and trying to now endear himself to a new community that obviously hates north side of chicago as well but then there's also the meathead fan of me that's like i don't care i don't care that that's what you're doing you you are you're spitting in the face of people who no matter what would you you'll never buy a meal in chicago again just because you are who you are even if you signed in st louis like I, I would I would bet that there would be an uh, a, a line of people, an endless line of people that would buy Wilson Contreras dinner, lunch, a beer, whatever. He'd never buy another meal. But then you go and you do this kind of stuff. And it's like this is the type of thing that like ruins you and turns you into a villain in a place where you were once the hero. It's the old Batman adage. You either live long enough. You either die a hero or live long enough to become a villain. And, and Wilson Contreras has now become a villain. I'm very upset about it. I, I understand why he's there. Um, I just don't like it. 
and it's my intercepted at the goal line. I just think that it it's uh, it sucks and it's stupid and it's terrible, awful, no good, and very bad. Fair enough. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Mine's super quick. Uh, it's just COVID. It's just coronavirus. <laughs> All right. On NFL Week 14. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it was horrible. Not it, like just a brutal experience. I vaxxed, boosted, boosted, you know, mask all the time, like conservative guy when it comes to that sort of thing. And got it. Wiped me for two weeks. Sucks. Wouldn't recommend zero out of 10. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was pretty bad. So uh, don't get COVID and be safe. But if you get COVID, also be safe. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's all I got. I think boo coronavirus ready for sports talk. Yeah, I, I'm ready for a little bit of sports talk too. I was hoping uh, now that you bring up COVID, I made a little graphic the other day because somebody at my place of work uh, came down with the, uh, the, the COVID as well. And uh, they were like, Hey, just like monitor yourself, make sure that, you know, you're feeling okay, that you're not coming down with it. If you do test and, um, I ended up making this. I hope this works. Yeah, here we go. Oh. But if you remember like the <laughs> famed <laughs> If you remember the famed Odell Beckham line where he says, "I don't think COVID can get to me. I don't think it's going to enter this body. I don't want no parts of it and it don't want no parts of me. It's a mutual respect." That's where uh, I was at. It had been years that COVID's been around. I hadn't gotten it. I thought we had an understanding, COVID and I, and we clearly were not on the same page. But to those just (laughs) listening, it's that graphic that like ESPN or whatever posted, and I uh, put my face and my name on there as if if, if I was the one giving the quote. So that's what I sent to my my employer. I was like, "Ah, duly noted. Uh, Anyway, let's do NFL Week 14. It was uh, was an entertaining week of football, but we've got one point rundown for you uh, again gonna try something new i hope this works um let's see the music is working music is working one point rundown for nfl week for went out to la to play the rams in this one was the fact that Baker had only been in LA for three days and somehow it worked out the timing with his receivers and figured out the offense and everything. It was a little nuts. Baltimore at Pittsburgh. The year is 2022. Mitch Trubisky was just intercepted by Roquan Smith. Neither of these players play in Chicago. Also, this was this week's meh game of the week. Philly at New York, the Giants plus seven and a half seems so smart. Till it wasn't. Uh, Philly blows out the Giants in an NFC East matchup. Cleveland at Cincinnati. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything else I, I want to say about Cleveland games until Deshaun Watson gets good. It's so good to see him be bad. Thank God Deshaun Watson is bad. Uh, it's It's really, really quite a treat. Uh, I cut the music off to bring you the one point from Houston and Dallas. Houston Texans, uh, what happened? Uh, how it's going to Dallas Cowboys? Uh, what man is your man? Uh, Houston 
man. Club ladies, you man. Double L on the that you eat a minute. Okay, James. Got a little angry there at the end. Uh, Houston, what happened? Minnesota at Detroit. How does 425 passing yards not equal a win against the Lions? Kirk Cousins is a bum. Uh, New York Jets at Buffalo. I am. I'm, I'm truly asking. Coming down. I'm truly asking. Is Josh Allen running the ball the way that he does? Does it hold longevity? It looks like the guy can take a hit. He's sturdy. It looks like he was built by the Amish, but it just doesn't seem like it's sustainable. No, no, it can't be. It, it really can't. Uh, coming down the stretch here, Jacksonville at Tennessee. The Trevor Lawrence coming out party is in full swing. Please never let Urban Meyer coach again. It, it cannot happen. <laughs> Kansas City at Denver. Of course, the game that they actually flex Russell Wilson out of Sunday night football ends up being an entertaining game where he has the best game of the year. Also, Jarek McKinnon is dead to me. Carolina at Seattle. Most of the year, he's looked like GS rather than Gino, but the last four weeks, it's been more like a G maybe. No giggles? Fuck you guys. Tampa Bay at San Francisco. Brock Purdy is proof of how insanely talented this 49ers team is. He is a moderately all right quarterback, but still they blow out the Bucks. It's also cool to see Tom Brady exploring new kinks as he was uh, choked. I don't know if you guys saw that meme that was going around Twitter, but uh, he was getting sacked and the meme is just somebody like holding his throat and he looks scared. He's exploring new kinks here in his uh, newly single life. Uh, Last last point here from NFL Week 14. The Dolphins apparently had propane heaters running on the sideline in L.A. Soft team, candy-ass uniforms, a quarterback who talks to himself in the mirror, fade the fins. And that's one point rundown uh, here for NFL Week 14. Let's address some things. Any things. Oh, 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 that was not a specific thing that you wanted to address. Uh, Browns Bengals is, is where I'd like to start. And just I, I want to reiterate what you said. I, I can't believe that we're actually getting this miracle situation where the Deshaun Watson Browns are somehow not better than the Jacoby Brissett Browns. And so that's two hundred and thirty million dollars, hopefully flushed down the toilet for the Cleveland Browns. I hope so. Uh, but the Bengals. What, what's got me riled up about the Bengals is Mr. T. Higgins, who I continue to have in multiple fantasy teams and bet on. He was questionable at the start of the week. They took him off the injury report. They're like, he's healthy. He's going to play. He tweaked something in pregame warmups. It was not reported. Then they put him out for one snap and sat him for the rest of the game for health reasons. So anybody who bet a T. Higgins related thing lost their bet because he did play even though the Bengals pretty much knew all along. And this is the second time this year that they've done that where they're like, we're just going to keep him safe and not play him. Then don't make him active. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I bet you there's, there's some sort of stipulation where the way that they classified him throughout the week, forced them to maybe play him for that one snap and then be like, Oh, he was injured on the first play of the game. Uh, I bet you there was some sort of classification or categorization of his injury status that made them play him. Uh, for for one snap, and it ends up screwing betters and fantasy owners. But and this is already the shady Cincinnati Bengals team that has uh, another injury related thing that's come up in the last week, which is Jesse Bates from uh, Sunday before faking an injury against the Chiefs 
or uh, sorry, quotes faking an injury. I guess you know, they have they have claimed. <laughs> okay, this is coming from a, a, a scorned uh, Saints fan talking about fake injuries. No, you know, I'll hold it. I'll hold it. We'll talk about it later. Somebody pick a new game. Uh, oh. I, I, I do also want to interject real quick. There's a real possibility that people didn't hear the first half of one point rundown. I don't know how that music is going to come through on the audio. Uh, so apologies if that happened. Uh, but Tyler, what was the game you wanted to bring up? I really want to talk about Raiders Rams. I mean, I think it's Baker Mayfield's performance at the end of that game. I mean, can we, we need to talk about this for a second because yeah. the, 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 everything that went into that, I mean, being there for two days and being a quarterback, you have to know so much information and to, to do what he did on two days of studying and practicing, maybe, maybe one like real deal practice may, and probably a walkthrough. But I mean, for him to do that in that clutch situation, I, I just, that it's it blew my mind. I was watching it in a restaurant, and I was like, "Oh, okay, one minute left. There's no way they win this." And then I, I get to, you know, I get out of my car and I check my phone, and they ended up winning. I was like, "Oh my god, like, oh god they did it!" Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep in mind too, he's throwing to Ben Skowronic, Tutu Atwell, and Van Jefferson. He did Rio not Van get put, He did not. He did not get put in an offense that already has elite talent across the board where he just has to be okay to get them through. And I've never seen a head coach so surprised at his team winning as Sean McVay at the end of the game looked like he thought the Raiders were going to win. He's like, I know Baker's our guy and he's out there. He had no clue they were going to win that game. But wouldn't you be shocked? Yeah. Wouldn't you be super surprised if you won that game? Of course. But you don't show it. You're the head coach. You can look like you believe in the guys. He couldn't though. There's no no way you could pretend there because it was that astonishing. He was there for three days. Like, I don't think anybody people don't understand how absolutely insane it was that Baker Mayfield had the game he did and took the Rams 98 yards in a minute. And then not that he didn't hit like a wide open wide receiver. He hit a timing route to a dude he's known professionally for 72 hours. Hit a timing route, nailed him. Absolute perfect ball. He's known this guy for 72 hours. Now, I'm sure that these guys put in extra work, stayed long hours to ensure that they would have some sort of uh, the semblance of chemistry on the field. But like to, to win that game, to have the drive they did, it was nuts. Did they get helped out by a ticky-tack foul somewhere in the middle of that final drive? Yes, but also you have to... Oh. The, knocking the ball out of the quarterback's hands. <laughs> oh, hearing the ref say that phrase, even though, yes, that's obviously unsportsmanlike. And it's very obvious that that's what happened. Seeing the ref walk up and be like, unsportsmanlike conduct, you know, Jerry Tillery on the defense, knocking, knocking the ball, ball out of the quarterback's hands. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Oh, that was the game. You're right. I forgot that that was on that last drive. Yeah. And so, you know, ticky tack fouls happen. But uh, again, it's a part of football. I don't know. It, it, but it, the, the the main question that was running through my head was, so there's got to be like a like a Cleveland curse, right? Like not all the quarterbacks that Cleveland has drafted have really been that bad. It's just the organization itself. Well, think about uh, why they moved on from Baker Mayfield, right? Like. To some extent, sure, you can say like he wasn't getting the job done, but you can also point out the fact that like all of last year, 
he was playing with an injured everything. Like he he had a banged up shoulder, banged up elbow, banged up knee and hip, and he was all over the place. And they gave up on him to uh, bring in some sexual assailant and guarantee him $250 million. And they give up on bake Baker doesn't get a real good chance in Carolina. Also a team in Carolina that is completely void of talent. The Rams are kind of similar, but at least they have a competent offense with a head coach who is an established system. It, it could be that there's a little bit of a curse in, in uh, Cleveland. I'm not completely done with Baker Mayfield. I think that there's still good football for him to play. I think that's probably the quicker answer, right? Is there haven't really been a lot of quarterbacks that panned out from Cleveland. They've tried a lot and Baker might be the best of them, but even given this like heroic performance, this guy is going to be clawing to be like average. He, he sure he had a bad, he's had a bad team in Carolina, but keep in mind, he also had one of the best looking Cleveland Browns offenses that they've had in years when he had actual viable offensive linemen, he had a one know, of the best offensive lines in the league. I, I will I will play yes. both sides here with with a, a strong elite talent running back. They went and got him some receivers to play with like they did give Baker tools and it still wasn't able to work out. Then we saw him in Carolina with different tools. that wasn't able to work out. And frankly, I'm still not expecting him to be very good down the stretch this year. I believe they, there could still be something there. But if Baker's the gold standard, it, it might just be that the the Browns are bad at drafting quarterbacks. Yeah. I just I mean, wanted to throw that question out there. No, no, it's a good point though. It definitely is worth mentioning. Cause he could be the, he could be the one that turns it around. Maybe the next guy, they, or maybe they won't draft quarterbacks. They're just going to keep paying people buku bucks, but no, he, he's definitely the highlight. Um, Again, a, a pretty good week of football. I'm looking through here. Oh, the, the, one of the games I wanted to bring up, how the hell did Minnesota lose to Detroit? Don't uh, like how how actually did that happen? Because they're fraudulent. Yeah, they they only win by like one score every game, right? They've yeah. been a, the most fraudulent team this whole NFL season. Just skating by, and like like Jack said, I just they're a very frustrating team for me. I, Is it I a actually defense thing? Is it a Kirk Cousins thing? If. I think for me, it's more of a Kirk Cousins thing. Kirk Cousins has been the epitome of average for his whole career in Minnesota. Like he's been okay enough to maybe get them close to playoffs and then they lose immediately. So like, I just don't think, I just don't think that they really have it in them. I'm not saying like they don't have good players on their team because the whole league's good, but it's just, I, I think it's just not, not there. And the fact that they've won so many games, I think people are thinking that they're bigger than they should be. I just, I really, I don't like the Vikings. Yeah. I I've been, I've gone back and forth because definitely if you had to point to a, you know, who's, massive winning record is least representative of who they are. It's the Minnesota Vikings. But at the same time, they are frauds in their, in their winning record, but I do think they are a legit team. I think they're for sure the class of the NFC North, which is a pretty weak division. So it's not saying a ton. The NFC conference in general is uh, it's down. So I do think the Vikings are still one of the better teams, but they're not a team that you should go into a game with confidence. I mean, Detroit was actually favored in this game, right? During parts of the week. Yes. 
uh, at kickoff, Detroit, the Detroit Lions, at, at kickoff, the Detroit Lions were between one and one and a half point favorites. Oh. So that means that the, uh, the experts out in Nevada saw that, okay, this Detroit team actually has an offense that's kind of frisky, and the Vikings don't exactly have guys who like really put the nail in the coffin. And that's one of the concerns about the wide receiver position, I think, in the NFL is you need a really good receiver to be really good but a really good receiver can't carry your team. And that's where Justin Jefferson might be the best receiver, but that alone is not going to be enough for the Vikings to beat the Cardinals, the Dolphins, the Bills, like teams that they beat earlier in the season. They can't reliably beat again, but they can hang. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that they're maybe the style of offense that they run is to be blamed a little bit, right? Like if you throw for 425 passing yards, that means that you're throwing the ball an awful lot. Um, Dalvin cook has been good this year, but I don't know that they've used him as much as they could, uh, to maybe add a little bit of depth to that offense. Every time I watch them, it seems like they're just throwing, 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 throwing. There have been weeks where they're up big and yeah, they're just putting it in the gut of Dalvin cook. But like, I, I don't know. They correct me if I'm wrong. No, no, you're, you're right. He, he's been fine. He's still good, but it hasn't been his best year. And part of that is because they don't get through. As a Dalvin Cook fantasy owner, I I have been on a roller coaster of emotions about him. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> and been that, and that's, very up that's and down. Yep. I, I'm looking through here uh, with with the games remaining. Uh, does anybody have final thoughts from NFL Week 14? Uh, yes, I think that what I learned is. The San Francisco 49ers defense may be the best side of the ball that anybody in the league has. It's up there probably with the Chiefs offense. Yeah. Uh, because I really felt like this Buccaneers offense, everybody's been healthy for a few weeks. Tom Brady's still fine. They got Godwin, Evans, Rashad White rising up. Fournette's back. Fournette's back. I'm like, they can hang with the 49ers as is. Then Jimmy Garoppolo goes down. Uh, last week. And so it's like, okay, Brock Purdy coming up. This is a, a matchup. The Buccaneers are a decent defense, or at least they have been for the last few years. And they just get smoked to not be able to put up more than seven points. I know that like the defense is the defense, but uh, if a team has a weak offense that does affect how their defense plays and you couldn't even tell because the Buccaneers were buried so quickly. So I think the 49ers, whether their offense continues to be good, Debo's hurt now. And they're going to be riding Brock Purdy for a while. Uh, that defense is nuts. Yeah, I mean, they have always had a good defense. Now you've got Nick Bosa in a situation where he's in conversations for Defensive Player of the Year. Fred Warner still great. You've got uh, a fun guy. I don't. I don't know Hafunga's first name. I know his last name, and it's fun to say. But Hafunga's uh, having a breakout year. It's just top to bottom. Every layer of that defense is is incredible, and they are the driving force of that team. Yeah, it's been a revolving door on offense. Um, thank God Debo's going to be able to come back this year because he is somebody that I legitimately like watching and like just like as a person. I think that he's he's a good guy. Um, thank God he's going to be able to come back because it looked pretty gruesome. I didn't know if he was going to be able to come back this year, but apparently it's it's all going to be good. He should be back for the playoffs, which is. Uh, all you can hope for in a situation like that. But uh, your assessment of, of the defense, like their defensive unit, maybe being the best unit of all 64 units. 
in the NFL is probably correct. Like, I think it's it's the most full, complete side of the ball for any NFL team. No, I agree. And and just to talk about, like, the Debo Samuel, Samuels thing, too, like, I think, feel like people forget that they also have Christian McCaffrey now, and he was an absolute workhorse for him this past week. Mm-hmm. So I think, I mean, even though you may not be able to rely on Purdy for as much as you would, like, Garoppolo, you can start turning to the run game and making it, you know, very efficient and just an all around like good, good team. And and what's nuts about the Niners is you say like, oh, Debo's down. And then you start thinking about like, oh, well, who's there? It's like Brandon Ayuk is still there, which I think there are 31 other teams in the NFL that would like to have Brandon Ayuk on their team. And then you're like, oh, oh yeah. And George Kittle is still there, who has remnants of being a top NFL pass catcher, like not at the tight end position, just in general, being a top pass catcher in the NFL. And then there's Christian McCaffrey, who's still there. Like there, there, there's still a lot there. Even if Debo was down for the rest of the season, they would still be in a good position to win. Yeah. So I agree. Uh, that was a fun game. That was a fun week of football. Uh, I think the only other thing that I have to point out is that the Trevor Lawrence uh, coming out party is in full swing. The guy looks incredible. Yeah, over, uh, over the past three weeks. Yeah, they're starting to put some some really good stuff together down there. And like you said, the last three weeks have really shown how explosive their offense can be once when they're when things are going their way, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, uh, they they put Tennessee on their heels pretty quick, and that Tennessee defense hasn't been terrible this year, especially here down the past six weeks or so. They've been they've been all right. So it was fun to see uh, Trevor Lawrence doing some, doing some things. Though his success as a as a passer has seen a, a decline in the usage of Travis Etienne, which has impacted me f- uh, fantasy wise tremendously over the past two or three weeks. So fun for Trevor Lawrence, not so fun for me. Uh, but either way, uh, good stuff. Let's move on, though, to uh, Blanky very much. We have we have one topic today. I don't know who threw this in here. This seems. Uh, oh, I was not raising my hand because I threw it in there. I'm raising my hand because there's one other thing I think that we normally get to before Blanky very much. Right. Oh, well, let me let me back the bus up. Beep, 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 beep. What are, what are we missing uh, on agenda? I guess I forgot to fill it in, but I do have a Nate Hackett coach of the last oh, three weeks award. Yeah. Yeah. Of, yeah, of yeah the yeah. last three weeks. Well, I haven't been here the last two, so I've been working on this one for a bit. Oh, <laughs> is it, is yeah. it your, is it your buddy from, uh, it's New my Orleans? buddy from New Orleans. It's Dennis Allen. It's been time to go. I'm sorry, Dennis Allen, but I need to throw out there and it sucks because the saints were on a bye this week. So it feels extra unfair, but also bye week's a perfect time to try a new coach, right? Like let, give him an extra week <laughs> to fit the system. No, they didn't fire uh, Dennis Allen, but there are three main points of contention I want to bring up before we hit the blank use. Uh, and that is one, he has mismanaged injuries. And this has been a problem with the Saints for years. <laughs> See Michael Thomas not playing for three straight years. Uh, but more specifically, Michael Thomas and Marshawn Lattimore each have missed eight games this season before in the case of Thomas and not yet in the case of Lattimore being put on injured reserve. This is such an easy function now that the NFL has a four-week injured reserve. How do you have a star player missing eight weeks and you at no point decide, you know what, maybe we should open up that roster spot and like get another guy out here. No, we're just going to keep him inactive. Number two, Andy Dalton is still the quarterback of the Saints, even though Jameis Winston has been healthy for six weeks now. They got Jameis there to be their quarterback. 
They continue to not play him, and it's not because Dalton's been great, and it's not because the Saints are winning, because they're like the fourth pick right now in the draft, which, by the way, they don't own. The Eagles have it. Number three, the Saints, per a chart that I saw on Twitter in the last week, are the most cowardly team when it comes to fourth downs. Uh, There is a metric by which you can evaluate should a team go for it on fourth down in midfield or opposing territory? Because if it's fourth and 20-something, even if you're on the other side of the field, you probably don't need to go for it. That sort of situation might merit a punt. But if it's fourth and five or shorter, you can go for it between the 40s or beyond midfield. And so this chart showed every team, the Jets are 31st in the league in how often did they make the correct decision on these tight go-forts because they've only made the correct decision about 20, 21% of the time. The Saints are 32nd with zero. They have not once correctly (laughs) chosen to go for it on fourth down in a situation where they should. Every time it's come up, they've done it wrong. And that, unfortunately, is probably a head coaching problem. So points ABC, Dennis Allen, thank you for your service as defensive coordinator. I unfortunately no longer want you as head coach. (laughs) Nate Hackett, coach of the last few weeks. Sorry, guys, we'd go to blank you. No, that that this was valuable. And I like that for the weeks that you've missed, you had a point for each week. So yes. Nate Hackett's taking home an armful of Nate Hackett of the week. Uh, Nate Hackett coach of the week awards. That's incredible. Oh. He's, he's been building that one up. That's just like the one oh. thing that can he's even though he's sick, he's just oh. God, the Saints. Oh, you guys both will throughout the week send me individual things of like, hey, maybe we talk about this. Hey, maybe we talk about that. Jack will send me stuff on Dennis Allen a lot. And over the past couple of weeks, I have not responded to them kind of strategically, but also procrastin- procrastinatorily. I made up a word. Uh, um, but part of it is I don't interact with it for the pure fact that I know I'm going to get this. Yeah. It's just, it's so tough, man. It doesn't make, okay. I abandoned, I was a bad fan. Saints Buccaneers played last Monday night and the Saints were up 16 to three with like a couple minutes left, uh, three minutes left, I think. And I got a text from, I don't know, one of my friends, it might've been you, Ryan, might've been somebody else like, oh, you know, you want to hop on PlayStation? I'm like, well, sure. I mean, this game, I don't need to see the end of this. And the Saints lost (laughs) the second time in Tom Brady's 47 year career that he's been down by 13 or more points in the fourth quarter and won. It was the Super Bowl where he had that ridiculous comeback against Atlanta. And the other one was the New Orleans Saints under Dennis Allen. That's two out of like a thousand games that this guy's played. I'm, I'm over it. And I won't mention Dennis Allen's name on this podcast until he gets fired. The coach who shall not be named. Yeah. Okay. Now let's do blank you. Thank and you. again, I was going to say that this seems like a very Tyler Witt question. And Tyler, do you brought this to the table? Yes. Yeah, so I saw this tweet. <laughs> I saw this tweet yesterday. Uh, the city of Lafayette, Indiana, asked for the public's help to name their their snowplows. And so there are six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's ten pl- plows that they the public named. And I just want to read them to you and then ask you what you would name your own personal snowplow, because these names are incredible. Okay. Starting with Betty Whiteout. Oh, I'm already, I can tell I'm going to enjoy all of these. Clearopathra. That's, that's, that's the new top one. Yep. Scoop dog. Control salt delete. (laughs) That's awesome. Tony Snowarski, Rhinestone Plowboy, 
Plowy McPlow face. <laughs> I had, you had to know that was coming. I had to know that one. Sleetwood Mac, Buzz Ice Clear, and Frost Responder. So, I mean, all of these are fantastic names. <laughs> and I just wanted your opinion on what, what, which, what you would name yours. Yeah, Control Salt Delete was great. Um, like Cleopatra, that's so good. Cleopatra is number one. That's yeah. nuts. Okay, I, 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 can't, I, I have to admit that I had to look up what I would name my plow. Uh, the name that I saw that I loved that I didn't hear in this list that you have, have given us is no more Mr. Ice Guy. Ooh, oh. that's, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> no more Mr. Ice Guy sounds about right. Oh man, I wish I had, I wish I had seen this. I could have thought of some really good ones, I think, because when I just read this prompt on its own and then you started talking, I kid you not. The first name that came to my mind is going like the college mascot route where you just pick a regular name and then say like the first. So every time your snowplow dies, the next one is like the second, the third. And I'm like, just give it a regular name like George or something. Right. So it's like, oh, there's George the third. And it's like George the third. And it's like, yeah, this is the third snowplow that the city's had. So they just keep naming them all George. That was my first thought. But oh, I want to see it. Oh, there's got to be a the, the city of the city of Lansing has a couple of names that they that they have. uh uh, put out there as well. Uh, David Plowy. Mm. I guess it would be Plowy. Plowy, oh, yeah. Uh, Lord Coldemort. Ooh. Plowy McPlowson. Snowy McPlowface. Uh, I'm looking for some other good ones. See, that's the tough part, though. Is those nobody's just- business? Yeah, th- those are all just taking a word and then matching it to a syllable that sounds the same. The list that this Lafayette had, there's a lot of like, they managed to fit two or three words that are all relevant in the names. And that's where I'm very impressed. Tom, like, I think, yeah. Tom, Jesus. <laughs> Jack, oh, you'll, you'll understand in a second. Jack, I think you might like this one the best. College basketball season is upon us. What about Tom Blizzo? Oh, see, it's clever. It's clever. But like you could just take that and throw it on anything. There's got to be. That's a project. We're going to next week. We're going to make sure that one of us has some super uh, intricate snowplow name. Tyler, what would you name yours? I didn't really think of one just because this list I thought was so good. Like, I I think that's fine. I think (laughs) I, I think off of this list, rhinestone plowboy just stands out in my head so much uh, and it put the, stone plow yeah. boy. It, and it put the song in my head and it's been in my head for two days now and so oh, i think no. I, i'd have to name mine the rhinestone plow boy i dig it or i plow it i don't know um <laughs> all right that's thank you very much for this week uh, a good one tyler and w- your homework for next week jack is to make sure that we know what your plow name would be. And it, it, it has to be incredible because you're getting a whole week to work on it. Yeah. Oh, here I go. I go. How about this one? How about this one? This is a, okay. a recent one. How about Spider-Man snow way home? That's what you're going to name the plow. Well, cause it's getting you home. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to think clear. Like, no. I'm making a list. I'm making a list time for you. There we go. That, that, even better. I want a hierarchy for next week. We're we're okay. we're working on it. All right, let's move on to low hanging fruit. Um, let the hilarity ensue. I want to go first here because I got a little bit of media to pair up with uh, with our story here. Uh, the Vikings are pulling out new helmets 
for their Christmas Eve game. They're going to do a whiteout. And, uh, well, I'll let this TikTok user uh, tell us about the, the helmets. The Vikings announced winter whiteout home game against the Giants on the 24th. People want to know, are they wearing a white helmet? Are they doing some alternate thing? Today we got our answer. So it is going to be a white helmet, but... uh. Same thing. Unfortunately, same thing. Say again, Jack. That TikTok noise at the end hit me so hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! You guys, uh, you know the the meme of uh, Jose Mourinho, the soccer manager, where he's just like, <laughs> that's my fault with that TikTok noise. Like, holy cow! Did it come in loud for you? I apologize. Yeah, yeah it, I don't know. It's always loud, louder than the rest of the video. <laughs> maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll, I'll cut that out in editing, but. Uh, so the 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 white horn on the white helmet for the Vikings, this TikTok is saying it, it looks like sperm. It looks like it looks like a single jizz is on the side of the Viking helmet. A single jizz. <laughs> a seen man, so to speak, is on the side of the Vikings helmet. Uh, it's part of their whiteout uniforms. And I just thought it was funny because, like, again, Every time we get something like this, there are so many people it must go through in order for it to be an on-field thing. Yeah. I just feel like somebody would have been like, but here's the problem. It looks kind of spermy. I, I like that this guy, you know, he's garnering the views and the laughs and the comments and things like that. It is just the like that is how the Vikings horn always looks. So the criticism, like I don't think the rest of the helmet being white. I think it's just this guy pointed it out. If you pull up the Vikings helmet, like their standard helmet right now, it is the same shape. It's the same color. So I, I think that's how it would get through clearances because they didn't change it to make it worse. They just kept it what it already is, and somebody noticed. Sure. Okay. So from now on, we're we're going to see this squiggle on the side of their helmet as yeah. a, a single sperm. A Look single at the Vikings jizz. helmet and tell me that's what you see now. And I, now I have to pull it up. Everybody take a few seconds because it's the exact same helmet. It's just not iced over the purple. Yeah, I mean, that's that that's a jizz right there. It's, it's the same shape. It's just a once you see, you can't unsee it. So maybe the whiteout just brought Impregnating it out. the purple egg. <laughs> I don't know. That don't, sounded like a play on something, but I don't know what. It's not a play on anything. I'm just saying. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know nothing about nothing. Uh, the other thing that I had for low hanging fruit today uh, was so in radio every day you have a, a prep service, and this prep service will feed you like stories and stuff that you can regale on the air and try to get people, you know, laugh, engage, whatever. And uh, one of the stories that came across the ticker the other day was a story of a woman from China who was hospitalized after eating spicy food. Not for the reasons you would think, but because doctors said her body was too small, too physically small to handle her coughing after eating the spicy food oh, she no. cracked her ribs and was sent to the hospital essentially for eating spicy food 
And so I ask, what are your guys' tolerances for spicy food? I mean, better than that. I <laughs> sweat profusely. The other day, uh, we were at the, the hockey game, and we had uh, chicken tenders. And the, the barbecue sauce that was there was a sweet baby raise that had a little kick to it. I sweat. We were, at, we were rinkside at a hockey game, and barbecue sauce made me sweat. Yeah, I was gonna say sweet baby rays. It's not spicy baby rays, right? Like barbecue sauce. Huh. I'm pretty sure it was just regular sweet baby rays. Now, I mean, make your Caucasian jokes left and right. That's fine. I understand what I am, and I'm okay with who I am. Uh, but I, I, I pin it on this one thing that happened to me long ago. I was at a Buffalo Wild Wings. I was prepubescent. There was a pretty waitress with blonde hair who told me you should try. The hot wings challenge, like the the wings of death challenge. And of course, me at what 13, 14 years old was like, whatever you say, Miss Pretty Blonde Lady. And I did it. And my life has never been the same since because every spicy anything that I have ruins my day, ruins my outfit. Like I sweat, my back sweats, my forehead sweats, my eyes sweat. That's actually tears. But like, you get where I'm going. <laughs> Have you gone back to face your fears again and do no. the blazing challenge? No. It's it's asinine to do it, but I that's how my tolerance actually got better. Because I used to, when I was at Western Kentucky, we used to eat, uh we used to go sometimes twice a week because Tuesdays is a half price or half price wings, and then Thursday is buy one, get one. So we would go and we would just eat a bunch. And my roommate Seth, he could eat spicy food all the time and so i wanted to bring up my my tolerance a little bit so i think the hottest i've gotten on like the buffalo wild wings sauce hierarchy is the hot barbecue and that can kind of kick your ass a little bit but yeah well send me to the shadow realm (laughs) but when i go get wings and i love chicken wings I purposely get like the like I they have like the like the thermometer and they're like down here is the really hot shit up here is like I never go past like garlic parmesan. I might do barbecue sauce. I ask, I was like, is it like a sweet barbecue sauce? Is there a little kick to it? Like, oh no, it's sweet. I'll do the barbecue sauce if it's sweet. I'll do the garlic parmesan. That's where I draw the line. Anything that's got like habanero or Asian kick or whatever, like I'm out. <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> like it. Go ahead, Jack. Uh, the, for, I'm trying to think Buffalo Wild Wings. I've had mango habanero before. I don't have like a crazy high spicy tolerance, but that I had that and I was like, my my big symptom is like my nose starts running. That's the, that's the bad Ooh. one for me is yeah. I don't sweat or anything, but it's just like it just hits my sinuses or something. But I'm trying to think. I think that might be below Tyler what you're saying, the like hot one. I forget the list, but that definitely was higher than the realm that I normally play in. Yeah, let me see. Let's see if we can get a Buffalo Wild Wings list. But no, my go-to, I normally like mild or buffalo. Like I can do hot. Uh, I get, I like it noodles and company. That's when they have like a spicy Korean beef noodles or something. And normally I'm okay with that. There was one time where it just messed me up. But I, I've grown to like spicy foods more than I, I used to not be able to handle it in any way. All right, here we go. I have, oh, no. Mango habanero is actually above hot barbecue. Really? I get. Yeah. I mean, I know habanero is hot, but I, and that's not my go-to order. Trust me. But if somebody got it, like, yeah, I'd have one or two. It did taste really good. That's the problem with Buffalo Wild Wings, right? Is they all taste good. So you eat it and you're like, oh, this is delicious. And then 30 seconds later, you're like, 
oh no, I'm going to die. <laughs> so I've I've done the hottest dry dry rub, which is desert okay. heat. I, I thoroughly enjoy that. Um, but yeah, I think so. Sweet barbecue is the lightest. It goes ter- teriyaki, bourbon, honey, good. mustard, mild, Parmesan, garlic. So Ryan would stop there or at the yeah, honey that's, barbecue. That's, that's, that's where we draw the line. Well, see, I think the mild ones are pretty hot, too. I, I like them, though. Uh, then we got medium, spicy garlic, Asian zing, Caribbean jerk, hot barbecue, Thai curry, hot, mango habanero, wild, and reformulated blazon. What? <laughs> that that it sounds, was absolutely made it in sounds a lab. cynical. Yeah, that's like out of the Terminator movies or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why it's Ooh. reformulated. Let's see. To make it hotter and more devilish and possibly murder people. (laughs) (laughs) I do love the the deathly names of like the ghost pepper, the California reaper. Like they are warning you in the name. Yeah, you might not make it out of this one. Oh, that's why it's reformulated because they added ghost pepper to it. Oh, I've never never had anything with ghost pepper to make it hotter. No, I'm yeah, you see, and I'm good. <laughs> already sweating just sitting but here talking about I it. also if I were ever to get an invite to like hot ones, I would do it in a heartbeat. I would do I would be the ugliest just saddest looking individual you've ever seen on hot ones. You could just do that. Not running, sweat dripping. I would just look like a, a deformed mess, like a melting ice cream cone, like just kind of <laughs> into a seat i'd go pale but i would do it just so that i could have a a good conversation with the chicago man sean evans (laughs) ice cream cone oh uh all right so that's what i got for low-hanging fruit let's do who's got something else i say tyler mike white was legally brutalized was the note that tyler left (laughs) (laughs) if you guys got the chance to watch the Jets game you could probably watch the legal abuse that Mike White took courtesy courtesy of his offensive line not playing the greatest Um, so here's a little rundown on what happened to Mike White on Sunday he left in the second quarter after a hit to the ribs he came back two plays later he got hit in the ribs again in the third quarter and left the game a second time to get x-rays he returned at the start of the fourth quarter and finished the game. But once the game ended, he left in an ambulance and was sent to the hospital for testing on potential internal injuries. Jesus Christ. So as much as like, yeah, you're a tough guy for finishing this game. No doubt. And I have a lot of respect for him. But like, do better. Jets line. I mean, good God, this guy literally has broken ribs. He had the hardest hit I've seen in years in the NFL. Like his feet touched his head. That and Brock Purdy got absolutely yeah, hammered. Dude, the Mike White one was nasty. I saw people on Twitter like he, he's got to stop. This is the third. That was the third time this year where a quarterback got hit kept playing and I'm like, they need to be gone. One was Tua and that obviously was major problems. 
One was Justin Fields. I think it was the Thursday night football where every hit he took, it took him like seven seconds to get up and he kept playing. And well, then and Mike then, White's the third one. Well, what about uh, Russell Wilson this past weekend? His, he was literally out. His eyes were closed. And like when he opened him, he was all cross. They had to take him off for concussion protocol. It was like a Tua-esque injury. Yeah, but at least they kept him off. Like the, the, yeah. It's all these other ones where they keep going back in and you're like, it, it's on the old line. It's on the a little bit the quarterback. And it's don't on forget the about week one this year with Justin Herbert's ribs. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That was another one. But like, I'd I like to think that Mike White, when that hit happens, Zach Wilson is somewhere on the sideline just going. Hungry <laughs> <laughs> Zach Wilson. Oh, I love that. He's like, he's like twiddling his fingers. He's like, he looks like Mr. Burns from The Simpsons. He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and as, a, as an offensive line group, you have to huddle up after a hit like that and be like, listen, we've got three options on this team right now. One of them is Mike White. The other is Joe Flacco. Uh, and the last right. option is Zach Wilson. We got to protect Mike White. <laughs> Zach lame duck Wilson just hanging around because he's <laughs> under contract, but they don't want him. <laughs> hungry Zach Wilson. Yeah. I like that hungry Zach Wilson is actual Zach Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. No, that I was Here's listening. Zach Wilson. <laughs> was that last week or the week before I'm listening? I'm like, oh, that's so true. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Hungry to get back out there too, man. Be better. Well, Zach and willing, willing to do anything. Yeah, he's like signaling plays into the defensive line. He's like, shift over, shift over. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, he's got cards up like he's in college. Oh, like, that'd be so bad. Wait, who was the? There was a. It was Arizona State. You guys remember the story from Arizona State football earlier this year? Yeah, that the coordinators, and the assistants were giving the plays to try and get Herm Edwards fired. Really? Yeah, yeah, they were giving information to other teams because they wanted their head coach fired. So they were giving teams the script on how to beat them, essentially. I didn't think Herm Edwards was that bad of a person or coach. I don't think he is. I, I felt like he was pretty respected. <laughs> they brought they broke a lot of like recruiting guidelines, a lot of stuff. Oh. They were under a lot of heavy scrutiny while he was Got there. It. Um, <sighs> okay, so Mike White got his ass kicked. Jack, yeah, do you yes. have anything for low-hanging fruit? Yeah, I alluded to it earlier, so I'll touch on it. Uh, again, this is a little bit of Saints fan rage, but a little bit of just rage against the machine of the NFL, and that's the, uh, the faking injuries thing. It, it, with oh, the, yeah. So Okay, so here we go. So Cam Jordan uh, against the Buccaneers in this game that, again, I turned off because the Saints should have won, um, apparently at one point decided, okay, if I you know can fake an injury and get off the field, like... They'll stop the clock. It'll give us time to regroup. It'll slow down this drive. There is tactics behind defensive players, you know, pretending to be hurt late in the game to allow their team to re-strategize, catch their breath, whatever the reason, right? Cam Jordan pretty clearly looks at the sideline and kind of gets the go-ahead to do the injury thing, which surprises me because we talked about, like, Wilson Contreras. Cam Jordan's Mr. Saint. Like, he is the Saints guy right now. So it hurt me a little bit to hear. But then the team overall got fined $550,000 between Cam Jordan, the coaches, the organization. Everybody got fined because the league's like, you can't do that. Faking injuries isn't allowed. It's a very hard thing to prove. Case in point with the uh, Jesse Bates situation where Jesse Bates sees that they have 12 men on the field. There is a defensive lineman jogging his way out. And the snap is about to happen. So Jesse Bates grabs randomly a part of his leg, falls down. They stop the clock. And the Bengals actually do end up winning their game against the Chiefs. <laughs> he, just, he falls down and goes, yeah! 
<laughs> it was. I, I have friends who are Bengals fans from the time I spent living in uh, Southwest Ohio, and even some of the most avid Bengals fans are like, "Yeah, obviously he wasn't hurt." But the Bengals did not get fined. Jesse Bates did not get fined because they had him on the injury report at practice the next day with a groin injury, which legitimized the fact that he was hurt. And then so it's he, another it's another point to prove that De- Dennis Allen is a bonehead. Yeah, if they had, I mean, I don't like this way. It's a little dishonest. But if they had just put Cam Jordan on the injury report, then the NFL can't be like, oh, so he was faking it. Right. So Jesse Bates now also comes out. I don't know if it was today or yesterday and uh, says, actually, you know, I've been receiving treatment on my groin for a while. Like they're just doubling and tripling down on what very, very clearly looks to be a fake injury. And so I'm, I'm sick of it, but I also have to kind of step back and go, is this really where we're at during the World Cup? And we've got American football with all the flops. How did that happen? Yeah, that, that, that was something. I, I do want to point out really quick before we get to hang, hang a banner that uh, was it Friday of last week when it was the, the, the quarterfinal that had Croatia and Brazil and uh, that side yeah. of the bracket where it was yeah. two games that went to a shootout. What a showing for soccer. I was ready to write it off and not watch for another four years, but what a showing and hats off to soccer for putting on a, a, a day of their game. That was incredibly fun to watch for people who have ADD. It was great. Not banner worthy though. Not banner worthy okay. uh, because I've got, I've got a, a very special thing for hang a banner today. Uh, but on the topic of of the World Cup and on a much more somber note, Tyler, I'd like you to lead off here with Hang Your Banner. Yeah, so I kind of wanted to hang hang a banner today for Grant Wall. He was the American sports reporter out in Qatar who passed away suddenly. Um, we don't have a lot of information about how he passed away. Um, we just know that um, after the, the U.S. played or – Sometime during this past weekend, he just died. And it's it's very sad just because if you go back and look at his journal or his career in journalism, he's covered got to cover a lot of really cool events and cool things that happened. He was primarily soccer, but he also got to cover people like LeBron. Um you know, there's a there was a couple of tweets that I saw of like some of the big articles that he had a chance to write. And most of these covers that I've like recognized from being on my like grandpa's coffee table. Um, he did one about LeBron when he was in high school, um, but he was a junior in high school. He did one on the women's team in the World Cup. He did one on David Beckham when he went to the L.A. Galaxy. And then he also did one on John Wall while he's at Kentucky. So, you know, he's gotten around. He's, you know, had an influence in um, sports journalism that I've I've seen. And I think it's only right to give him his flowers and hang a banner for him because of all the great work that he's done. And, you know, even up till his last day, he, he died doing what he loved. He died in Qatar covering the world cup for us. So huge shout out to him and thank you for, for everything you did for us. Yeah. And uh, you know, this is, this to some people will probably seem like a, a blip on the radar and just kind of pass through the, the news cycle and whatever, but this is like to soccer, what Adam Schefter is to American football or what Jeff Passan is to baseball. 
this is like their top guy, as it was explained to me. He was their top insider, top reporter for, for soccer all over the world. Um, the story of what's happening in Qatar and some of the tangential storylines that are, are, are stemming from his death are, are, are fairly concerning. Uh, number one is the fact that obviously they're in Qatar. It's known that they are there because of bribes and things. And um, well, Grant had, had, had done a story that was rather critical of, of Qatar to start. On top of that, he showed up to one of the games wearing a rainbow shirt. His brother is is gay, and he was showing support for his brother and showing that soccer is for everybody. And he was not allowed to enter the stadium. It, he was met with some amount of, of resistance. And so there are people who are taking these things and, and making conspiracies, I suppose. The The fact of the matter is that it's, it's an American diet on foreign soil. It's very concerning that this guy just randomly passed away. Um, and it shouldn't be anything that ever gets swept under the rug because this is, this is more than just a guy died. This is a tragedy. I agree. And I, I really didn't want to get into the, you know, the, the, the shadowy stuff that, you know, no one really knows about. Cause like you said, there's a lot of conspiracy theories going around. There's a lot of unknown stuff that's happening. So uh, I think it's just great to honor his work. Like you said, he was the number one guy in for soccer across the world for, uh, for the United States. So, um, he had a great career and he, he got the chance to do a lot of really cool stuff, traveled to a lot of different places, world cups, women's world cups, covered some basketball. So it's, it's really cool. Yeah. And uh, obviously we'll, we'll, we'll uh, stay up to date on that grant wall story. If anything does sprout from it, I don't think even the, the cause of death has been shared with the public yet. So uh, still a lot to, to talk about there, but as of right now, we say thank you for all your coverage grant and uh, rest in peace. And, and Jack, I'll let you you uh, pick up here. Yeah. Uh, no, so this is a, you know, we'll swing it back to a lighter turn. I'm going to preemptively hang a banner for something that hasn't happened yet, but it's on the precipice. And that is Christmas music banter. Going back and forth with people talking about Christmas music, because I think Christmas music is generally pretty strong, especially Ooh. in the pop variety. But there are definitely some like old hymnal classics that are also good. And so I love just like discussing, going around uh, talking about Christmas music. So I'm excited because this is the time of year where I get to kind of listen to songs that I wouldn't listen to for uh, most of the year and then explore other people's opinions and takes and thoughts. And it is one of the more uh, like pigeonholed topics. You, you don't get stuck in some massive conversation. Oh, who's your favorite musician? That could go on for days. But if you're just talking about Christmas music, we'll be done by the end of the year. So I'm hanging a banner for talking to people about it and to listening to Christmas music. As a guy who works in radio and at a in a building where there is a nonstop Christmas music station, I am not the biggest fan of Christmas music. I never really have been. I think Christmas music is good for Christmas Eve and the day of Christmas. And other than that, I really could care less. I will say working at a country station, though, there are, we, we play, I think, two or three Christmas songs per hour. It might even be less depending on what the clock looks like that hour. Uh, but those have been fun to listen to and hear different like versions of of the songs rather than like the old, like Bing Crosby's and, and things like that. And Mariah Carey, uh, those have been fun to listen to. 
So disrespectful to Bing Crosby, well, Andy Williams. Bro, I, I, like those, oh, I like those versions. Don't get me wrong. I like those versions. But like when you hear them incessantly and nonstop, they get old. Any song what? does. Wait, so can we have this conversation right now? So oh, what, what is your favorite? hour and a half? <laughs> no, we're at hour we'll 26. We've got three minutes. <laughs> let's let's save it for, for next week. We'll, we'll okay. talk about our favorite Christmas songs. Okay, we will, the, we will put that in the pot for next week. The, the thing that I want to challenge you guys to is I want you to try and make a list. And I'll try and do the same because it's a creative project I'm looking forward to. Make a list of Christmas songs that you would not mind hearing in June. Christmas songs you wouldn't mind hearing in June. What songs are good enough as songs? Classic, traditional, pop, otherwise, whatever it is, that you're like, this is such a good song, I could honestly put it on a playlist and be happy hearing it. Because that is a testament to the value of Christmas music. Okay. I'm writing this note down and leaving it here in, in my studio. Quotes. Studio uh, <laughs> to make sure that I have uh, have that for us next week, and you make sure you have a list of snowplow names for us. I already have a list of snowplow all words right. that I'm going to work with. <laughs> we're saving all that for next week, so we're doing uh, some Christmas music stuff next week. Jack will give us his snowplow names, which uh, are going to be good. You give this man a week to do anything uh, creatively, and he's going to nail it. Um, and so, all that coming next week. I'll hang my banner for Virgil Patrick Hughes. Better known as Pat Hughes, the legendary play-by-play voice of the Chicago Cubs, is the 2023 Ford C. Frick Award winner, which means that he will be inducted as the lone broadcaster into baseball's Hall of Fame in, in this coming year's induction. Pat Hughes is somebody who, if you are a Cubs fan, if you are a baseball fan, can bring you into the most boring of games, uh, can make a blowout interesting, can... Uh, paint a picture with with words themselves. He is a personal hero of mine. When I think about why I ever got into play by play, it's the the fun that I hear Pat have on the air. It's the stories he tells. It's uh, it's it basically he is one of the main reasons why I ever got interested in sports broadcasting and play by play broadcasting. And for Pat Hughes to finally get his roses and finally get inducted into the Hall of Fame after being snubbed a few times for other worthy broadcasters, it is incredible to see that uh, he is he's headed to to Cooperstown. I almost said Canton. And uh, I'm, I'm very happy about it. It was something that uh, I, I paused and thought was a very cool moment this past week. And so I hang a banner for one of my personal heroes, Pat Hughes. There you go. Shout out baseball. They, they don't get many things with the Hall of Fame right, but they, they took a, a titan of the industry and successfully put him in the right place. So they got this one right. Yeah, I think so. And he might be the only person that gets to uh, be inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. Who knows? With the way Maybe that, for the next like decade. Based on yeah, it, it's, it's entirely possible. It's entirely possible. Those baseball writers, those BBWAAs <laughs> are, are very stingy. Also, shorten your fucking acronym. Um, but that is the episode. Episode 13. It's good to have you guys back. Good to be everybody back. all under the same roof i feel like a dad like ah oh, it's good to have my kids back under the same roof <laughs> this old man here yeah i was told the other day that i look uh, well into my 40s and so now <laughs> i feel like i have to start adopting what this, this isn't that crazy father did, mentality did, who who told that to you a, a, a random a was random. it a guy i was somebody i was talking to at the at the football game 
You should have fought him. They're like, oh, what year did you graduate? And we went back and forth. They're like, you graduated two years ago. I was like, hey, they're like, you look well into your 40s. I said, that's so rude. It's so rude. I would have had freaking fists with this guy. Like, I mean, what am I going to say to him? What what am I going to say? Why do you have to say well in his face? Like in his face. Hey, look, I, I look like, uh, oh, you look older. You look, I look well in your 40s. My God. I, I don't know. Uh, anyway, we'll talk more about that next week. Uh, everybody decide. Do I look well into my 40s or yes. not? I have no wrinkles on my forehead yet. So, so that's a good plus for me. Anyway, we're wrapping up episode 13. We're getting the hell out of here. Thank you for tuning in. If you want, you can follow us on social media at hanging banners. No G at the end of hanging. We're just hanging. Uh, and thanks for hanging with us here at episode 13. I'm Ryan Sartori. Jack Coachman is here. Tyler Witt is here. And we had a ton of fun today. Hopefully you did too. We're back next week. Hopefully all three of us. I'm just going to assume all three of us will be here next week for episode 14. See you guys later. See you. Peace. Okay, great. Thanks a lot for that look in the sports, Brian. Yeah. And when we come back, we'll have one final look at weather. Stay tuned.